Ephesians chapter 4, the end couple of verses, and the beginning of chapter 5. Okay, how many of you have been around for Ephesians? You know what I'm going to ask, right? What's the theme for the book of Ephesians? Chapters 1, 2, and 3, Christian. Speaking to the Christian, you are wealthy. Chapters 4, 5, and 6. Now, because you're so wealthy, because God has blessed you so much, Christian, He's forgiven all your sin, now walk worthy. This is your weekly reminder. Some of you may be sick of it, but I guarantee you, you'll know the book before you leave. You'll at least know where to go to talk about the riches of Christ and, and how to walk worthy. Your weekly reminder, guys. Though Paul says here, chapters 4, 5, and 6, lots of places where he says, look, don't do that. Do that. Don't do this. Do this. That this is still, never has been, a list of rules that you keep to earn the love of God. This always is the way that Paul says we should be wanting to return the love of God. Never a way to earn it. You never could. That was a free gift. But this is what Paul is calling upon you to to uh, to walk worthy of the the awesome blessings that he's bestowed upon you as a Christian. Chapters one, two and three basically says this is a proper response to return the love of God that he's already lavished upon you and that he is still lavishing upon you. It's all speaking to the Christian, the born again believer. Again, if you say to yourself, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those born again kind. Jesus says, unless you're born again, unless you're born twice, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. This is speaking to the Christian. So if you're a Christian here this morning, if you're a born again believer, Paul's point is this. God's done so much for you through his perfect son. He has taken you from sinner, the category of sinner to saint. He's taken you from spiritual rags to spiritual riches. He's taken you from being a spiritual pauper, one who had debts that you could not pay in righteousness to a spiritual prince seated in the heavenlies with Christ. He's made you a child of the king. You've been adopted into his royal family. And Paul says, has been saying in chapter four, look, Christian, God has made you so wealthy. Now, in response, just walk worthy. Quit walking like the sinner you used to be and walk worthy of the title saint, which is who you really are now. Quit walking like the spiritual pauper that you used to be and walk worthy of the title prince because you are. If you're a Christian, Jesus says of you, you are my brother, my sister. He talks about the brethren and the cistern. No, um. He says we're fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. That makes us prince, princes and princesses. Um, Paul says, look, quit wearing those spiritual rags that you used to wear and put on the righteous royal robes that Jesus bought for you with his own blood. Now, if you are not a believer, if you're not born again. Ignore everything I just said. All of the amazing stuff that I just described doesn't belong to you. Yet. Because you've only been born once. Paul is talking about a set of spiritual clothes, the old filthy rags we used to wear and the new righteous robes that we get to wear. 
If you've never been born twice, you've only got one set of clothes. You're still a pauper, though there are riches available to you. You're still wearing rags, though Jesus has already paid for righteous robes, but you've never received them. If you are not a believer, the only clothes that you can wear are described in verses 17 to 19. Your old filthy self. But, now speaking to the Christian again, if you've been born twice, you have two wardrobes to choose from. The old you and the new you. You can, you can still put on the filthy rags in Ephesians 4, 17 through 19. But Paul says, verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. In other words, if you really are a disciple of his, if he really is your rabbi, your master, he says, verse 22, here's your choice. I want you to put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Put off that set of clothes. And he says it's still growing uh, corrupt, right? You guys ever notice that when you go back into the world, when you um, when you put on that old you, it's still as nasty as it ever was. And it seems to still be getting worse. Verse 23. But he says, I want you to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul is basically signed up to be for the Christian, your wardrobe consultant. Right. And it's all based on this fact. It's a fact for the Christian. Second Corinthians 517. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. All things have become new. If you are born again, you are a new creation. And Paul has been saying, look, you've got two sets of clothes there in your, in your closet. You need to put off the filthy rags of the old man. You need to put on the righteous royal robes of the new you in Christ. Um, I read this morning about the original Bethany project. If you if you know what we're talking about, um, we're hoping to begin a, a ministry uh, where we are ready at a moment's notice to, to do a memorial service for anyone who has need. Um, and we're going to use that as, as an opportunity to share the gospel and to show the love of Christ. Uh, so we're calling it the Bethany Project because Jesus walked into Bethany, a funeral, and brought life. I noticed this morning he, he looks at tragedy and says there's opportunity. This is, this is what Jesus does. But have you ever thought about this? Who was the recipient of Jesus' uh, great power on that day? Lazarus, right? Remember how a week later he shows up to the, uh, the Palm Sunday fiesta, the extravaganza? Do you think that Lazarus was still wearing the old grave clothes? I don't think so. Don't you think he was thinking, I've got to get these things off. This is nasty. How many were here last week? You remember the goofy thing I made you do? You're like, which thing? Um, I want you to do it again and, and help the, uh, the others around you. Whenever I say... Put off. We're going to talk about a thing that's the old you. It's part of the old you, the filthy rags that you used to wear. Okay. Whenever I say that, I want you to go, ooh, nasty. Okay. And do it with vigor too. Ooh, nasty. Okay. And then when we talk about that, which you're supposed to put on, I want you to say new, righteous. Okay. Because that's the reality here. He says, verse 25. You ready? Paul says, therefore, putting away the filthy rag of lying. Oh, man, you guys are nailing it. 
So much better than the first service. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. In other words, put on the truth. Yep. And here's why. For we are members of one another. Verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. That is put away the filthy rag of uncontrolled anger. That's the old you. And and, uh, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, put on the prompt pursuit of peace. And here's why. Nor it says, nor give place to the devil. If you don't, if you don't deal with it, you give the the enemy an opportunity to to work in your life. You give him a, a base of operations. Verse 28. Let him who stole steal no longer. That is put off stealing and freeloading. That's the old Jew and it's got to go. He says, but rather let him labor working with his hands. What is good that he may have something to give him who has need. In other words, put on hard work and free giving. And then last week, Paul got up all up in our grill. Literally started talking about the language that we use, how we use our mouths. He says, verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Put away corrupt speech that just tears down. That's the old you. It's got to go. Paul says, and put on what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Put on speech that builds up and shares God's kindness to a lost world. And here's why, verse 30, so that you do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That brings us then to verse 31. That's where we are this morning. Paul, our wardrobe consultant for the born again Christian, says you've got two choices. You can wear the old you or you can wear the new you. Says, and I want you now to put off anger and hatred And I want you to put on forgiveness. This morning, Paul looks at a whole section of hatred. He uses a whole bunch of different words. And he basically looks at this whole section and goes, this whole mess has to go. Cue it up. Here we go. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. Be put away from you. Let all of it go with all malice. Paul looks in the old man's spiritual closet and he sees a whole section devoted to hatred. And he says, this whole section has to go. It's nasty. It's the old you. It's filthy rags. It's the same nasty does that you were wearing when Jesus purchased your righteous royal robes for you. Paul says, it's time to lay them aside. And to put on these righteous robes, verse 32, and be kind to one another. New, righteous, be tender hearted. That's the new you. That's the Jesus in you. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Put on forgiveness. You know, the, the, the goal that I feel like the Lord would have for us today. The thing that I've been praying for this week. And I, I feel so unworthy and so unable to communicate it. But I know that Lord can do it. And I know he wants to do it. Is that many here today would make a decision to let go of anger, of hatred, 
of unforgiveness. Let's let's break it down a little bit. Look at verse 31. Christian, Paul says, you are a child of the king now. It's time, verse 31, to let all bitterness be put away from you. Bitterness, what is it? It's It's anger that's on the inside. It's seething. It doesn't blow up. It seethes. It festers. I think it desperately tries to stay on the inside. Uh, Husband, sometimes it sounds like this. What's wrong, honey? Nothing. Or, if you don't know, I'm not telling you. Bitterness, it's that anger. It's like I'm trying to keep it in. I'm trying to keep it in. Listen, the the Blue Letter Bible, uh, when you're looking for a definition for this word, it says a bitter root and so producing bitter fruit. By definition, then, bitterness is anger that tries to stay inside, but eventually it comes out. It produces bitter fruit. It might come out through by explosion, but it also just might come out from bitter fruit. We learned last week, Jesus described our speech, right, as the fruit of our lips. The, th- the words you say express what's going on inside. Let me ask you, don't raise your hand, but... How's the fruit of your lips? Is there bitter fruit? Some of you are thinking, well, nope, not me. Mama always said, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. So I don't ever say anything to that person. Well, what about your inner dialogue? What's that sound like? Resin, resin, resin. Paul says, bitterness. Let it be put away from you. And notice that he says, let all bitterness put away from you. You know what that word all in the Greek means? All. Yep. All of it. Christian, you are not allowed to harbor bitterness for 5% of the people that you meet. You, you, You don't get a special pass just to be bitter with just one person. Nope. Paul says, let all bitterness be put away from you. I don't have it in my text, and I put it in a different spot in the first service, but let me put it here and see if it helps. I want you to notice, with all of these, it doesn't say, force all bitterness away from you. It says, let all bitterness be put away. And interesting, the word put away means to lift off of. Here's how I understand that. Every single one of these things, y'all, God is willing to take them off of you. But you have to let him do it. Bitterness is something that it might feel good. It might make you secure. I don't know what it is. But all of these things are going to be a decision that you make. You can't create it. You can't force it. But you can let him do it. And he will do it. He says, First, let all bitterness be put away from you. Next, he says, let all wrath be put away from you. The word wrath here is passion, heat, anger that boils up and soon subsides again. You're like, oh, that's me. I'm not bitter. I'm the guy who blows up. And then I I calm down and everything's good. A lady once came to the preacher, Billy Sunday, and tried to rationalize those kind of angry outbursts. 
He said, there's nothing wrong with me losing my temper. I, I just blow up and then it's all over. He said, so does a shotgun. And look at the damage that it leaves. Paul says, let not only bitterness be put away from you, but all wrath, that boiling over and then subsiding wrath be put away from you. Then he says, let all anger be put away from you. In the Greek, this word anger means more specifically revenge. Payback. Anybody ever kind of want some revenge sometimes? Sometimes? Now you will admit you're liars. Um, Maybe you heard the story. A despondent woman was walking along the beach when she saw a bottle in the sand. She picked it up and pulled out the cork. Whoosh! A big puff of smoke appeared. You have released me from my prison, the genie told her. To show my thanks, I want to grant you three wishes. But take care, for with each wish, your mate will receive double of whatever you request. Why? The woman asked. That bum left me for another woman. That's how it's written, says the genie. The woman shrugged and then asked for a million dollars. There was a flash of light and a million dollars appeared at her feet. At the same instant, in a far off place, her wayward husband looked down to see two million dollars at his feet. And your second wish. Well, genie, I want the world's most expensive diamond necklace. Another flash of light and the woman was holding the precious treasure. But in that same instant, her husband was looking for the gym broker to where he could sell his next treasure. Finally, the lady says, Jeannie, is it really true that my husband has two million dollars and more jewels than I do and that he gets double of whatever I wish for? The genie said, yes, it's true. OK, Jeannie, I'm ready for my last wish. I want you to scare me half to death. So I told you you liked revenge. <clears throat> we love payback. We love revenge. We love to make the person that hurt us hurt. To extract the pound of flesh that we're due. It's called vengeance. But if you're a Christian, if you're born twice, vengeance is something you gave up. Well, let me put it a different way. Actually, you traded up in this area. Because Romans twelve nineteen says, speak God speaking, listen to this, beloved. I love that, that he starts off with that word in, in the context of vengeance, because he knows how we are. He says, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is my, I will repay, says the Lord. If you're a Christian, you trade it up in this area. It's the God of the universe that will make things right on your behalf. If you're a Christian, do you still have this as your motto? I don't get mad. I get even. If so, Paul says it's got to go. It's filthy rags. It's the old Jew. Next, Paul looks and says, oh, this has got to go too." let all clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. Clamor. We talked about it last time a little bit. It means to blow up, uh, but it's talking not about uh, punching walls, but it's talking about to blow up with your mouth. It's the croak of a raven, literally in the Greek. Whereas the word wrath is 
blowing up and punching a wall or worse, clamor is using your mouth as the weapon to inflict the damage. And the words are ammo and the volume is the gunpowder. Do you sometimes, Christian, slip back into the old filthy rags of the clamorer? He says, also, let all evil speaking be put away from you. Evil speaking, it's gossip, it's slander. We talked about it last time. Here the mouth is still the weapon, but it's, it's a grenade launcher. It's a missile that's shot from a safe distance, at least for you. Gossip and slander are like remote controlled bombs. They're like IEDs where someone can tear apart another person without even having to look them in the eye. Gossip. Slander. Christian, do you sometimes catch yourself wearing the old combat fatigues of the guerrilla warfare? Gossip. Slander. Paul says it's time for all of it to go. And he wraps all of it up with this one word at the end of this verse, with all malice. Malice is simply ill will. It's the desire to injure. Paul says it's got to go. It's the old you. It's filthy rags. Instead, he says, I want you to put on these new righteous robes that Jesus paid for with his own blood. He says, verse 32, I want you to be kind to one another. Put on kindness. I want you to be tender hearted, put on compassion is what he's saying. And I want you to, and this is hardest of all, guys, put on forgiveness, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. The word kindness, let's break this down just a little bit. It means mild, pleasant, uh, as opposed to harsh or hard or sharp or bitter. It's most of us would just say being nice, be Kind. It also means to be fit uh, for use, to be useful. It kind of implies a heart of service. Now, this is why I love it when we ask each other, how can I pray for you? How can I help? That's what this is. Fit for use. Kindness. Kindness is a word that describes someone who's easy to be around. Are you easy to be around? The word describes Jesus. Everyone wanted to be around Jesus, even filthy, nasty sinners. Prostitutes wanted to be around Jesus. Sinners wanted to be around Jesus. Even really, really bad sinners, tax collectors, wanted to be around Jesus. Paul says it's time for you to put off the old man. Put on the new you. That's Jesus in you that that is kind, that is helpful, that is mild, that is pleasant. Jesus said, I am meek, lowly of heart. Come, come to me. Then he says, I want you to put on tender heartedness. Okay, this is a little bit weird. Literally in the Greek, it means having strong bowels. Put off bitterness and put on strong bowels. Ooh, nasty. No, it's a it's a euphemism in in, uh, the ancient culture. And here's why it makes sense when you when you understand it. It's because our insides were considered still are. I think you can make a case uh, the the center of our emotions. Right. Still today, how many times we'll say, oh, I feel like I just got kicked in the stomach. I, I poured my guts out to they say to spill your guts. I have butterflies in my stomach. I'm all torn up inside over this. OK, tender heartedness then is compassion. 
It's the ability to feel someone else's pain. To hurt when they hurt. To pray with them. To cry with them. Paul is saying, put off the bitterness that eats away the inside of you. And put on tenderheartedness, which is strength inside, but it also is able to feel the pain of others. Put on compassion. Verse 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted. And here it is, boom, boom, boom. Forgiving one another. How many have found that this is one of the hardest things to put on? Forgiveness. Okay, I was going to say, you guys are liars again. Uh, I listened to uh, several teachers and, uh, of course, studied the Greek and all those things. And one particular guy um, that I listened to was, was just really helpful to me anyway. So much so that I stole some of his stuff for your sake. Right. Um, it's always I feel like my job is always to make sure that that you're well equipped. Um, and if somebody else has said it more clearly or better, if I can pass that on to you, I will. So um you can be praying for me. This guy, maybe some of you have heard of him, James McDonald, talks about forgiveness. And he really pinpoints it very, very good here. He says, forgiveness is releasing that person, that other person that's hurt you, from an obligation. And it's treating them as if it never happened. Um, someone pointed out to me the last service, and I think it's worth worth saying here to treat them as if it never happened doesn't necessarily mean that you give them access into uh, 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 the opportunity to hurt you again. Okay. I'm not talking like an abusive situation. We're not saying treat them as if it never happened and invite them back into your, your house. Okay. But in general, when you see that person, it's to uh, release them from, from the obligation and to treat them to speak with them kindly, uh, just as it says in Romans twelve nineteen, to do all the things that you would do for anyone as if it never happened. Now, having said that, everybody close your eyes real quick. Christian, is there anyone, if you're honest to say, and only I see, and I forget, I really do, I forget very easily, anyone here who would like to admit, uh, just by, by show of hands, no one else will see, that there's someone still that you kind of hold unforgiveness for? Thank you, guys. Thank you for that, that uh, truthfulness. Everybody can open your eyes real quick. Now, there may be some of you that said, no, I didn't, op- I didn't uh, raise my hand because I'm very forgiving. Um, maybe. maybe. Maybe this is you. You're thinking, I'm, I'm very forgiving. Jesus told Peter to forgive 70 times 7, right? And I'm very forgiven because I've already forgiven that jerk 363 times. <laughs> Or maybe you say, no, I forgave her. And just to make sure that I don't have to do it again, I came to this service because she goes to the other one. (laughs) Or maybe this is what you say. I forgive. Oh, yeah. But I never forget. Again, there's a difference between forgetting something uh, that you need to be aware of to make your family safe or something. But for the vast majority of us, we should never say that. I forgive, but I never forget. Or maybe you say, oh, I'll forgive him if he'll ever ask. If he'll open up that stupid mouth of his and ask me, I'd forgive him. What I've been praying for in the room is for every Christian in the room to be released from the bondage of unforgiveness. Today. And you know it's bondage, right? 
Everybody shake your head. Okay. There were two people on the on the video that said, look, it's bondage. They didn't make that up out of the air. Matthew 18. Jesus tells the parable of the unforgiving servant. He says, look, let me let me tell you a story. There was a man who was forgiven a ridiculous debt. And what does that guy do? He goes and he finds a fellow servant and he throttles him. He grabs him by the neck and says, you'll pay me what you owe me. But when the master gets wind of it, Matthew 18, verse 32, Jesus says, then his master, after he had called him, this that is the unforgiving servant, said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Unforgiveness is torture to you. It is a prison cell. The person who refuses to let go. The person who refuses to forgive is the one who remains locked in a prison. Are you locked in a prison this morning? Here's the crazy thing. You hold the key. But you refuse to turn the key. To remain in unforgiveness is torture and the torturer is you. How many times do you torture yourself with the thoughts in your head? Two different people in the movie said so. Look, refusing to forgive eats away at the one who won't forgive. And you say, but you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand how they hurt me. You don't understand how they tried to hurt my family, how they stole from me. I I don't. But Jesus does. Jesus knows what it's like to be stolen from. Particularly offensively, the Roman guards at his feet were gambling for his one earthly possession as he was dying on the cross. Oh, yeah. Who was he dying for? You. He knows what it's like to be hurt. He knows what it's like to be abused, to be mocked, to be spit upon. He would never expect you to put yourself in a spot of danger. I don't think necessarily But he does call for forgiveness. The Bible says that we are the crowd that killed God's son. It was my sin that put him on the tree. It was my sin that must be paid for, that required a perfect sacrifice, the son of God, to pay my debt. It was my sin against a holy God that required God of all heaven to allow his perfect son to suffer the cruelest death that man has ever devised. But I wasn't the only one. It was your sin, too. It was you that he was praying for when he said, do you remember? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Paul says, verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving. Interesting, the tense there is again and again, forgiving again and again one another, even as God in Christ. Here's the tense once for all. Forgave you. He was able to forgive you once for all. You you can know that you're completely forgiven for the rest of your life. And so all that brings up, it says, even as God in Christ forgive, we're supposed to forgive the way that God forgave us, right? How did he forgive you? Aren't you glad he didn't forgive you the way that 
you might be tending to think about forgiveness? Aren't you glad God doesn't say, well, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. Aren't you glad the Bible says the exact opposite? That your sins are thrown into the sea of forgetfulness? Aren't you glad that God doesn't say, look, I'll forgive you, but I need some time. Aren't you glad His forgiveness is immediate when you ask Him for it? Aren't you glad that He doesn't say to you, look, I'll forgive you, but if you ever do it again? He says in chapter 5, verse 1, that the the break for the chapter is um, just made by men. It's not necessarily inspired. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. We've been talking about clothes, right? Putting off the old man, putting on the new man. I just, I can't get the picture out of my head. It says, be imitators of God as dear children. That word is agapetos. It means little loved ones. Okay, so understand, first of all, again, that he is, he's talking about his great love for you. But I, I picture myself I, in the closet. I have two choices. I can wear the old man or the new man. The old filthy, nasty rags, the old me. Or I can put on the new man. And I put on the new man and I go, wow, these are pretty big. I haven't really grown into these yet. But he says, therefore, be imitators of God as his little children. How many of you are blessed when you see your kids trying their best to act like you? They got clothes on that they can't fit into yet. But they want to be like their parents. Do you want to be like your parents? Do you want to be like your dad? Your heavenly father who forgives those who don't deserve it? He says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. In other words, do what he did. Forgive people who don't deserve it. You pay the cost. Did you hear me? You pay the cost. That's, that's exactly what forgiveness is. is saying, okay, I release you from this debt. He says, and walk in love as Christ also has loved, loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Jesus is our commander in chief who laid down his life. For us that we would have freedom, it says Christ also loved us and has given himself for us. It means to give over. It means to give up. Um, you know, we talk a lot about dying to self, right? I think and I I think I've even heard this within the last 24 hours or so. Someone will say, hey, I would die for that person or that person would die for me. Right. Um, David Guzik, another pastor. I steal all my best stuff. Um, He said he says, I kind of think of of giving yourself away instead of, you know, a million dollars. Okay, my whole life was worth a million dollars. Okay, giving that all at once. I kind of see it like in in dollar bills or quarters. Oh, just gave a piece of my, myself away. Look, they, they didn't deserve it. I know that they said that, but I forgive them. There's another piece of me. There's another piece of me. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Paul says, look, I want you to put off the filthy rags. I want you to put on the righteous robes that you can only find in, in Christ Jesus. I want you to imitate your father in heaven. By being willing to forget 
I want you to imitate God the Son by being willing to pay the price that another can't pay or won't pay. And he says, yes, it's a sacrifice, but I want you to understand it's an offering to God. And God is well pleased. It's an offering that, it, that smells awesome to Him. Makes Him smile. Are you willing this morning to imitate your God and Father? Are you willing to decide today to walk in love? Even if it costs you, like your big brother Jesus, to forgive those that have hurt you, are you willing to let go of the pain to forgive? Let's pray real quick. Lord, we thank you for your mercy, your goodness. I ask, Lord, that you would help us and, and guide us. Lord, we, we so need your help, especially with this area. Um, ask that you would make your, your, your presence known and you would bring deliverance, Lord, for your people this morning. We thank you that... Uh, these words aren't words of men, Lord. They are your words and they are life. And if we will actually obey them, Lord, we find ourselves uh, living the life abundant that you, you desire for us. Lord, if we will ignore them, we find ourselves falling into the trap of the one who comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy and to torment. Lord, help us in Jesus' precious name. Amen.